Hey everybody, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today we have Tony Javier with 10X TV and Tony Fluent from San Diego to answer the most pressing question. What is the number one marketing channel to scale your business? Now I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you'll become one. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to millions of cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in Disruptors to get 10% off. And guys, if you get value out of the show, please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together. You ready? Do it. All right. So the last time you were here, we were talking about, you know, what's changed in TV marketing and this and that. But before we even do that, we were talking offline about working smarter inside your business. What does working smarter inside your business mean? Great question. I love talking about this topic because for the first 10 to 12 years, I worked really hard mm -hmm. and I didn't work very smart. And I feel like I've dedicated the last, especially the last five to seven years with working smarter. Mm -hmm. And to me, smarter means what you get out or what you put in is exponentially less than what you get out of it. Mm -hmm. You get exponentially, exponentially more when you, you know, what you get out. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, there's probably two to three things that I think have allowed me to go from working 60 to 80 hour weeks in my real estate investing business to working just a few hours a week in mm -hmm. my real estate investing business. So I can touch on some of those. Um, uh, the obvious is people, right? You know, a lot of people try and do a lot of things themselves, which in the beginning you kind of have to, right? Right. But as time goes on, you realize that you probably aren't the best at everything, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's times Highly I'm sure- Highly unlikely you're the best at everything. I'm sure you remember like, I have to do this mm -hmm. because it needs to be done right. Mm -hmm. To me, it's like somebody else needs to do something now mm -hmm. because I want it done and done right. I just, right. to me, I don't have the time necessarily to put to try and do everything. Yeah. And I can typically find people that are better than me at doing certain things. You know, I don't want to go run a PPC campaign. I don't want to... Um, you know, remodel a house. I don't want to take sales calls. I mean, yeah. those are things that aren't my genius. And mm -hmm. so finding people that uh, can do what you're not good at and what you don't want to do, and then yeah. take the things that you're really good at and keep those. So for me, it's taking the things that, one, I enjoy doing, two, that I'm good at, and three, that provide a lot of value. Those are the things that I, mm -hmm. that I keep and that I do in my business. Say that list again. It's, do I like it? Mm -hmm. Does it bring value to the company monetarily wise? And am I good at it? So am I good at it? Uh, monetary and, and like it. I like doing it, yeah. right? Things that bring you joy. And you, you've heard the term, you know, if you do what you love, you don't work a day in your life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I love working on marketing. I love working on ideas. I lo love working what we just talked about a little bit ago mm -hmm. and taking over the world. Right. What can we do next to take over the world, right? Yeah. Um, so those are the things that I love to do. All the little stuff, like ta like implementing things, like mm -hmm. that's not my genius, right? right? I love seeing things. I love visualizing them. I love talking to people about them and then working some kinks out and saying, uh, you know, go do it to my team. Yeah. Right? So a couple different things. So first, this is something that kind of evolved into, right? It's not like tomorrow you just say you go do this um, because – you hear the message, do, do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, which is true eventually, but not when you start. Mm -hmm. When you start, you gotta wear all the hats. So how long did it take to go from wearing all the hats to now you get to do what you love, it's valuable to the company, uh, and you're good at it? 
So I started in 2001. Mm -hmm. YouTube wasn't around. Facebook wasn't around. Masterminds weren't around. So I had a pretty big disadvantage. Mm -hmm. But I guess the advantage that I have is there wasn't nearly as much competition. Right. So from 2001 to 2010, I worked really, really hard in my business. I Mm -hmm. put my nose down, kind of went to some conferences. I kind of, you know, went to some meetups, things of that nature. But I was just, I was grinding away. And I thought that's what you had to do. Mm -hmm. I thought if you went to networking events... You know, you you're you're you know you, you didn't get as much done that if you as a, a distraction, a hundred percent. Maybe you're giving away secrets. And if you ask for help and you tell people you're struggling, you're weak. You know, yeah. all that all that stuff. So mm-hmm. so I just put my head down and just worked. And I hit a bottom point in 2010 where I fired my whole staff within a 30 day period, and that was the third time that it happened. Mm-hmm. And so from then I was like, okay, I got to make some changes. And luckily I found a, uh, someone who ran a successful real estate investing business that didn't look at houses, didn't show properties, didn't meet with buyers, didn't meet with sellers, and had uh, one or two other successful businesses on the side. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, how does he do that? There's no way yeah. you can be successful in real estate without meeting with a seller, without managing the projects, without keeping your your hands on things. Mm-hmm. And so I hired him as a coach and got in my mind, like, you can do this business without working in every single aspect of your business. Mm-hmm. So eventually I just kind of chipped away at it, right? right. I uh, hired, uh, I actually took uh, hired my sister. Mm-hmm. She's been with me now 13 years. Uh, and I leveled up. So talking about people, I leveled up my game with people. Um, so she she was the most I'd ever paid at that time by a long shot. And now I pay her three times that amount. So she's really grown, helped me grow the business, and yeah. I've rewarded her in the process. Um, and, it, you know, it, it just came from pain. It came from hitting rock bottom and saying, mm-hmm. I need to make a change. And then luckily I found that coach. And then, again, I just chipped away at it. You know, what are the things that I could hire for and kind of start giving people? And it, and it took me from, I think, 2011 or 2012 was when I hired that coach. In 2015, end of 14, I think, so two to three years, I was able to, once I had it in my mind, mm-hmm. that I could have a business successful that ran without me, I went uh, went from Wichita, Kansas, and moved hundreds and hundreds, actually over a 1,000 miles away mm-hmm. to Tampa, Florida for a year, and then I'm, I'm now in San Diego but I was able to move far away from my business after mm-hmm. a few years of just one, having the vision that it can happen. Right. And then two, just chipping away at it. It's not overnight, like you said, or like you I think insinuated. Yeah. Um, it takes some time. Yeah. Takes some time. But you also had to have the skills. Cause it's not like you, you, you listen to the show, like you're listening to this in your job. Like, Oh, if I quit my job, it'll take me two, three years to get here. You had to have cut your teeth, made some mistakes, had some big wins had some big losses along the way before you had the idea of, of, of removing yourself from the business, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Right. So if someone's listening today, right, they've never done a deal. Uh, they're like, they're on the cusp, not on the cusp, but they're, they're thinking about quitting their job to get into real estate. What would you speculate? I'm curious. Cause I have some ideas too. What do you speculate would take from someone that just quits their job to being completely removed from their operations? What steps does it take? How long do you think it would take? Oh, how long? That's tough mm-hmm. because we actually have people that are running TV commercials with us that mm-hmm. have a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And they do that purposely because they want a consistent income, but they want to invest in real estate. And they 
you know, some of them I think are kind of trying to work themselves into, um, you know, out of their job. And mm-hmm. some of them just like that safety and security or have been with that job so long that they just like it. Yeah. And so um, I would say the, it's so situational. It's all about, you know, is it's the skill, it's the execution, it's who you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. it's how much money do you have to invest in coaches or systems and, and operations. Yeah. Um, I would say that for someone to go from working nine to five, let's say they'd never done a deal before, I'd say mm-hmm. the average person could do it in 12 months. Yeah. Because in real estate investing, it doesn't take that many deals to make good money and replace your income. It does not. The average household income is what, 40,000, I think? Somebody in 40, it's always 60, been 000. around 42, 43,000, which is crazy to even think about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, you make that on one deal. Yeah. Right. So we actually, um, I had someone um, 21 years old and his first three deals, I think he made over $200,000 in, in three deals. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if he had a job beforehand, but I mean, think about it. Mm-hmm. You make that much money on two deals that gets you going. Right. right? So I think it, it's situational, but it can happen in a very short amount of time. Yeah. So let's think about this, right? Just a thought experiment. So I'm working. At Intel, right? It's back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I called Tony. Like, hey, you know, I want to get into real estate. And I want to just start with TV. So what would be the budget you would recommend to someone? Let's not say a major market like Phoenix, but like a mid-market. What would be the budget to get started into TV? Great question. So first of all, TV is not for everybody. Uh, We do have some investors that we've gotten started with TV commercials. Um, We're pretty picky about who we um, want to do TV because um, it is an investment and there's a commitment to it. Um, But I started when I started TV commercials, if you remember the story I told last time, I started with $3,000 a month. I was able to get hundreds and hundreds of commercials for $3,000 a month. My Mm -hmm. first month I made $35,000, right? Um, we have a minimum now, um, uh, that we, that we have, it's at least 5,000, really it's probably 7,500 mm-hmm. a, a month, but 5,000 a month is probably what you want to spend. There's some small markets that we can't even really spend 5,000 a month and doesn't make sense for us to spend more than that. Yeah. Um, so I would plan on at least, at least 5,000 a month for sure. Okay. Uh, so let's say 5,000 a month and then do you have an idea? Let's just say again, say a, a, a mid tier market or a mid sized market what their typical fees are, typical uh, assignment fees are? It's all over the place. I mean, yeah. we've had someone that's invested $5,000 a month in a market, and they were making consistently a hundred to 200000 a month for their first, like, six months. Yeah. It was crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then some we have spending a lot more than that that their months aren't as big, right? right? Um, so the numbers are all over the board on what to expect. But mm-hmm. if you do the math, um, let's say you spend 5000 a month, and you're making $25,000 on a deal on average, which mm-hmm. is probably what most investors are making now between wholesale and, and fix and flip, mm-hmm. some higher, some lower. Um, you only have to do one deal every five months to pay for the ad spend. Obviously, you don't want to just pay for the ad spend, but right. um, if you do one deal a month, you're 5Xing your money. You do two deals, you're 10Xing your money, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it doesn't take that much to get your money back from TV. Um, and the great thing about TV is that it, just like when I launched um, 12 years ago, 11 mm-hmm. years ago now, TV commercials, it performed very quickly. Almost every single person that we launched, because right. we get them so many commercials, we get mm-hmm. so many eyeballs on their commercials, they're typically doing at least one, if not three or plus three plus deals 
in their first month and they're yeah. off and going. Um, so yeah, it can, it can perform very quickly and it doesn't take that many deals to really uh, see a good return. Okay. Cause again, I'm just, I'm just going through the thought experiment. So 5k, 25k, let's just assume maybe it takes you three months, right? To get your first deal. You're still up 10k, right? Over three months, if you're spending 5k a month, do another deal or two. You're getting pretty positive, pretty fast. At this point, you can hire an admin you can hire an assistant. Eventually, you can grow your, you, you, you've got the marketing figured out if this is working, right? Then you can work on your sales skills. One of the skills I think pretty critical, pretty crucial to learn. You get your sales skills down, you get your conversions up. You can start eventually hiring salespeople and transaction coordinators. So it doesn't seem like you're saying 12 months. I don't think it's unrealistic to be able to get to that point. I think the greatest challenge is going to be the individual. I'm sorry, we haven't even bring, brought up coaching yet. Um, and you guys have a coaching element within your, your group. It's like a little mini mastermind. Yeah, yeah, we do uh, bi-weekly calls with our, with our yeah, clients. Yeah, so, so on top of that, there's a little bit of a, uh, there's coaching included in, in, in your services. So between all that, it really is up to the individual how well they can absorb all these life skills, <laughs> business skills, right? Because you said two, you started 2001, when you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I started looking back. I bought my first rental property or investment property in 2005, but I didn't really start actively until 2007. Mm -hmm. So it was a compress, you know, the 16 years that I've been actively in it, 22 active years you've been actively in it. How quickly could someone absorb the, the, uh, the experience, the wisdom, the, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Because I mean, how, how many bad ideas have you had throughout? If you were to get a I have some every day, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just these tragically horrible decisions we make. Like, okay, well, we're going to have to spend the next three or four months undoing that mistake. Mm -hmm. Right? And I think we're going to get to some of those mistakes later on. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, maybe is it, is it two years? Is it three years? Is it five years? To get to a point from day one, I'm quitting my job. I'm, I'm all on TV to, like, I am no longer involved at all or I'm involved less than four hours a week? Man, again, it's situational. I think yeah. I've, had some, I've had some really smart people that have been started uh, TV with us mm -hmm. that I looked at their business, and I'm like, you're only in this business for two years now, and you're doing over 100 deals a year, and you have X amount of people working for you, and you, you I mean, I think they're maybe a little bit more hands-on in the business, but, um, but they did in a short amount of time. Right. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, education out there. Mm -hmm. There's just so much education out there. You know, when I started in 2001, I got CDs I had to put in a, in a computer in order to, yeah. to, get, to get the data and, and read the workbook because mm -hmm. um, I bought Carlton Sheets back in the day. Gotcha. Uh, so it was a workbook and CDs. These days, you can literally pull up your phone, listen to a podcast, mm -hmm. watch a YouTube video, get this great idea, call Tony or whoever to... to get their marketing going, right? and then they're a real estate investor. And then then they have masterminds they can go to. Mm -hmm. And then they have people that they can call. They have all kinds of content that they can consume. So, Business coaching. So again, it's down to how dedicated are they to consume that? How fast can they implement it? There's so many different factors. But I would say... Yeah, so are they willing to invest? Are they willing to put in the work? How quickly can they absorb? Right. And I would say... The average, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say the average person because there's, there's no offense to anybody, but there's 
there's people that you just know aren't going to be able to make it. Yeah. That, that it's just not going to work for. So I'm going to take the ones that I feel like are motivated and above. I would say um, within 12 months, you should be able to replace your income. Mm-hmm. And to get to a point where you're not working in the business anymore, that could happen in another year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different things that come into it. Like the gentleman, um, the 21-year-old, he made $200,000 in his first three deals. Let's say someone else makes $30,000 in their first three deals. It's dramatically different the amount of capital you have to reinvest. Right. Um, so it's very situational. But I would say, again, just to answer your question, um, it can happen within a year to two years where you can go from never investing in real estate mm-hmm. to investing in real estate to a business that maybe doesn't run without you. But it also depends on how big you want your business. Yeah. Like you and I, we don't want just to sit back usually. I mean, I say I work a few hours a week in my real estate investing business, mm-hmm. and I take the other 37 hours and do other things. Right. You know, I've cut it luckily back to a, a manageable 40-hour week. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's very situational. If I make $100,000 in my first deal, it's a lot different than if I, if I lose $30,000 in my first deal, mm-hmm. then I'm going to be out of the business most likely, right? Right. which I see a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about um, there's a group of people, larger number, that we have not a lot of hope in. There's a handful that, that, that we see have potential. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast. It was uh, Impact Theory. He has a CIA agent. I've been meaning to watch it forever. I finally watched it this past weekend. And he has this, he says the way the CIA recruits is they look for individuals that have experienced trauma as kids. Mm. That's usually the people that are crazy enough to start a business. Right. Yeah. So you have to have a situation and there's like all sorts of different trauma, right? Uh, but you have to have, have some sort of trauma, but not too much trauma. Makes sense. Because if you have too much trauma, you now require external coping mechanism. And now you're, forget it. Mm. But if you don't have any trauma, then you're totally fine just living the normal life, right? Like we look to see like the schooling system and go to college and then go get a good paying job and then work until you're 55, 60. Those are the people that I guess are not as broken or screwed up as we were. We were kids. I mean, according to the CIA. So would you, in an interview, ask people about their traumas? I'm thinking about it. I don't know how I mean, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. I mean, whether they would disclose 100%, but I, I think if you dig enough, yeah. people would probably disclose somehow that they had some kind of... Yeah, and, and, the, and the truth is, if someone asked me, I was like, I, had, I didn't have trauma, right? Because like my parents were, they loved each other, they're still married, right? They worked their butts off, and they put six boys through college who all have engineering degrees. So it'd be pretty hard to make the argument that there was trauma. At the same time, they were never available because they were both workaholics. So I did have to fend for myself, right? And that's that part where you're a problem solver is that if your parents are never home, then you do have to take care of things. Not, not for lack of love, but lack of attention. Mm-hmm. So you need to do some certain things. The other thing he talks about in that episode as well is that um, if mom and dad are super busy, in his case, his mom was super busy because she was a single mom. But mom and dad are super busy. How do you get their attention? Either positively or negatively, right? Either you do something really bad and then that's not good or you have to excel. For me, it was excelling. It was sports, mm-hmm. mainly sports. I mean, yeah. I played four sports all year round, and right. you know that that was my thing. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So you have to excel in order to get mom and dad's attention. And I actually just hired a recruiting company. Uh, I haven't inked everything yet, but yeah, like who they look for are college athletes, right? I love because, college athletes because we run a sales organization. We're actively looking for people that play college sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even high school, I think, is good enough if they mm-hmm. played at a high enough level, but definitely college. That takes. Yeah. I played college football for a year. It's, it's a 
different animal. Yeah, different animal for sure. Well, I didn't play either. I didn't. I didn't play. I didn't play college. I didn't play high school. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was interesting this idea of how the CAA recruits. Mm-hmm. So, now you like to do inbound marketing versus outbound marketing. Talk to me about the theories of of marketing. Yeah. So there's a lot of different marketing methods, right? So what I'm going to do is I'll go from the top to the bottom. And what I mean by the top, the top is those that don't take quite as much time Mm -hmm. and that perform well and that you have people calling you. Mm -hmm. And then all the way down to the bottom is you're reaching out to them and it's a lot more hard work with these marketing methods, right? So the top obviously is going to be TV commercials. TV commercials to me are the thing that really build credibility for everything. Um, You have people calling you. It's very hands-off once you have it set up and dialed in Mm -hmm. um, with the right scripts, the right shows and stations and things like that that we feel like we've done really well. You don't have to touch it for at least six months, if not 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, I was actually talking to Ryan Pineda the other day, and he's ran the same TV commercial for four years. He hasn't touched it for four years. Um, And so... uh, so you have TV, that's inbound marketing, and you have to only take or only have to uh, get about 10 to 15 leads per deal. Mm-hmm. We actually have a lot of clients that said it's actually between five and 10 leads mm-hmm. um, to actually get a deal. So that's right? what I would have expected. Right. And so that's that, to me, that's the top. Now working down, mm-hmm. radio, we do radio as well. Radio is very similar to TV in the fact that you have people calling you. Uh, it is credibility. Um, you're getting, and I, I didn't mention with TV, radio is the same way where it's a broad reach, broad reach, uh, but you can dial it in with the stations and shows that you're targeting, but you're getting so much more exposure. So I'll give you some math here, direct mail. Um, if you send a direct mail uh, campaign out, let's say a thousand postcards, it's going to cost you about $5 or it's going to be $500 to hit a thousand people mm-hmm. with TV commercials. It's closer to $5 per thousand people. Gotcha. So you're able to hit, get a hundred times more impressions with TV mm. compared to postcards. Right. And not only that, people hate postcards, right? I right. mean, you know, obviously they work if, if you hit the right person at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with those two channels and people are calling you. Mm-hmm. Then you start getting into the channels that are still inbound, um, uh, but they still can take a lot of, it still takes some time and effort, more mm-hmm. time and effort. Uh, so then you have postcards. Um, and I, I let me back up. Billboards is in there somewhere. Um, I don't recommend billboards for everybody. I know yeah. that a lot of people have tried it and failed. Yeah. Um, my opinion on billboards is you have to have a lot of marketing out there to make billboards work because then that billboard is just the extra thing that... It's the omnipresence. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so Until you have everything else going, billboards are worthless. Yeah. Once everything's going, billboards add value. Exactly, yep. Um, so with direct mail, direct mail is still, I could consider an inbound channel. People are calling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a little more intrusive because you're actually physically sending them the postcard that they don't want, most right. people. Um, the time and dedication to it, even if you have a, a mail house doing it, you still have to approve the message. You still mm-hmm. have to approve the postcard. You still have to say, what is my, you know, is this working? Do we need to change it up? You have to know what list you're hitting. There's still, you know, some things that you have to do with that, even mm-hmm. if you have someone else fulfilling it. So it's more cognitive burden. It is 100. Yeah. percent Yeah. And you know, for me, again, working smarter is how much, how little time can I put in and get a lot out of, right? right? Um, 
then working our way down, um, Google PPC mm-hmm. and Facebook. Um, those are things that you're probably going to hire out. Um, probably less time dedicated to it, but there's still, it can change dramatically. Um, who, who mentioned, someone mentioned the other day, or maybe it was earlier today. Um, oh no, I think it was you, PPC, right? Mm-hmm. Your PPC is going well, and all of a sudden you have a big hedge fund that comes yeah. in and spends a crap load of money. Just, I'll spend you. Then you're, spend then you're you like, out of business. what do yeah. I do? Do I, do yeah. I, you know, do I change keywords? Do I add more to my budget? I mean, there's just so much like, and it can change overnight, right? right? And so, um, and Facebook can be the same way, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then working our way down, um, cold calling and texting. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned that a lot as a channel that I just think is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you have te- texting is obviously taken a hit the last few months with, mm-hmm. with regulations. Um, I think calling is going to be the next one that's going to, they're going to uh, even regulate more. But you have to get through, and you, I don't know if you know numbers on this uh, based on your clients, but 50 to 100 leads typically to get a deal with Facebook, or excuse me, with um, cold calling and texting. Uh, I think numbers are worse than that. Um, you have to have typically a certain number of conversations. So it's not uh, leads. Uh, so you get contacts that turn into leads, and the leads that turn into appointments. So yeah, it's, it's more than 100. If we're going just like straight, like a, a, a list of people, it's more than 100. No, no, I'm sorry. It's actually people that say, raise their hand that say that I want to sell. Yeah. So people and that then say, you, and then you start having the conversation, yeah. you start digging into it. Yeah. So 70 to 100. Somewhere okay. Around there. there you go. Yeah. Exactly. And so, how much brain power does that take? Mm-hmm. If you have your team doing it, it's 100% brain power. Even if you have someone else doing it, let's say you hire a company to do it, they still have to send you the leads that you have to sift through and say, are we going to make offers on these? Are we going to go out to the appointment? Mm. People ghosting you. I mean, there's all kinds of different things to it, right? So it can be high return, 100%, but then your the time and dedication it takes to it, to me, is like we'll never do texting and cold calling. Well, you didn't even take into account the quality control. Yeah, listen to the cold callers. You got to review the text messages. Are they saying things that open us up for liability? Good point. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's, the reason why we had a, we, it's the reason why we created an LLC in Delaware. <laughs> That's <laughs> specific reason. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, down there is driving for dollars, which, mm-hmm. you know, could be a, gr- a great source. I don't know too many people doing that these days. Um, there are a few people doing it, and when they do it, they, they crush it because it is laborious. There's actually AI that does that now, I hear. Mm-hmm. It'll actually go into Google Maps and, like, it's not a surprise. Look right? at looking at houses and then automatically just send letters out. But um, yeah, anyway. I've, I've heard something about that. Yeah. 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 Um, so again, we're, we're you know going back to working smarter. Mm-hmm. Would you rather put something out there that you don't have to manage that much, that builds a lot of credibility, that does a lot for your business outside of just direct ROI, mm-hmm. that you have to spend less time working leads, and when and then the other thing is those leads that come in, mm-hmm. you're having to not have to build so much credibility for yourself. It's right. not saying who am I? Here's what I do. Here's why you should use me usually they already respect you out of the gate. They know you're spending money on TV. They think you're spending probably tens of thousands of dollars dollars a month. Or more. They think you're way bigger than you are, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, There's a lot of different things there. And then then just moving all the way down is how much time and effort does it take, even if you're getting a 10 to 20 times return on investment, Mm -hmm. and you can only spend so much. You only have so many lists you can hit. You know, there's I talk to people that are in smaller markets, and they're like, we go through the lists and... I don't know what it is, a few months or whatever it is, yeah. and then we have to go through them again. And then eventually those lists get worn out, mm-hmm. 
And then where do you go? Right. So for me, it's we do every single one of those except for the bottom tier. We don't do driving for dollars. We don't don't do cold calling and texting. Mm-hmm. We do Facebook, Google, um, direct mail, billboards, radio, and TV. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things that I've been pressing our clients to look at is what you should keep and what you shouldn't because it frustrates me when someone starts TV with us mm-hmm. and they're getting a 10 to 20 times return on investment texting and cold calling. They come in with TV, three to six months, they're getting a three times return on investment, yeah. right? Which is kind of on the low end of what we typically <clears throat> see. But still, that's not bad, right. especially considering all the other benefits that TV has. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, ah, we're thinking about taking that, you know, five grand or seven grand or whatever it is and putting it into texting and cold calling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why don't you just add more to texting and cold calling? Why would you get rid of TV that's giving you a three times return on mm-hmm. investment? And so I've had this conversation with a lot of clients is at what point do you cut TV? And mm-hmm. I'm like, to me, if it's even breaking even to two times, it's probably worth it mm-hmm. for many reasons. One is all the other benefits that you're getting, the credibility, the branding, um, your personal branding, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of different things. On top of that, you don't know if there's deals that you're getting from a lead channel, especially TV, that... Um, could have been attributed other places. So there's right. many times a year where we get to the closing table. They said they found us on Google and they'll swear by it. Conversations, because my team usually does a pretty good job of like asking them multiple times where they came from. And then they'll get to the closing table and they'll be like, man, I'm just so glad I saw your TV commercial. It's like, <laughs> okay, now, now you tell us. Like we asked you so many times where you found us and right. they swore it was Google. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so that's one. And, and, the other, and the biggest thing is all the channels work together. So... Mm-hmm. We don't get a killer return on Facebook. We don't get a killer return on Google. Um, we don't even get a killer return on on postcards. We get like a two to three times return, which mm-hmm. isn't horrible, but it's not great. Um, TV's our best lead channel. This year we're a six times return, and we've been up to 12 times return. Um, but now I'm like, if we can break even on a channel, I'm just going to keep it yeah. because of those things that I mentioned. But on top of that, um, some of those things that haven't ran long enough to really see the benefit of, or to really see like what it does on, uh, you know, on a, on a longer term scale. Mm-hmm. So for me, 12 months is a decent um, gauge of where you can be on a marketing channel. Yeah. But really, you probably need more data than that. Mm-hmm. And so I look back at um, Google and, and Facebook and we didn't get a great return, but we never ran for more than about, I want to say 18 months at a time. We'd kind of like do 12 months and we stopped and then 18 months and it, it, it was just kind of like back and forth of like, mm. we're not getting a great return. But now I'm like, you know what? We have the money to do it. We have all these other marketing channels that are working well. Right. If it's at least breaking even, we're going to keep it. Now, if you're breaking in on texting and cold calling, I absolutely wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but once you get to those higher tiers of marketing, mm-hmm. then you can be a little bit more forgiving on your ROI. Yeah, it's hard to measure how much each one benefits the other. It really is because... The, how many people will be Googling Tony Javier if Tony Javier isn't on TV? Like, why would they Google that, right? So then how many SEO leads, quote-unquote SEO leads, did you get that you attribute to SEO and your brilliant SEO team versus TV or radio? And then if you're great or, at Facebook retargeting, yeah, they saw you on TV, they went to Google, Googled you, went to your website, you retargeted them on Facebook, and all of a sudden, hey, I saw you on Facebook. Yeah, it's a great Facebook lead. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's hard to 
truly a tribute. And then the other thing too, like I know like uh, we had Gino Paloma, right? He's one of our uh, star uh, star students uh, in the past. And like we talked about TV, he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, you're building a social media brand, right? You're letting everyone know in your market, you're the guy. When you go to a meetup, when you get your teams out there and you're talking to these other wholesalers, you automatically have more credibility amongst other wholesalers. You're more likely to get other deals sent to you from those other wholesalers. I mean, it's just like PPC. One of the things that just pisses me off, right, like forever, was some new wholesaler Googles sell my house fast, clicks my ad, and calls me, right? Like how much money did you burn there? Right, mm-hmm. Of my money. Mm-hmm. But people do the same thing with TV. It doesn't cost us anymore. I mean, how many wholesalers call you? Like, I got deals to make. Uh, I'm not sure. My team doesn't yeah. really, I mean, we don't really buy properties from wholesalers. Mm-hmm. And my team kind of knows that. So they probably get those calls <laughs> and they're like, we don't want to deal with you just because yeah. it's, it's like texting and cold calling. I mean, yeah. we've been through hundreds of leads mm-hmm. and I bought one deal from a wholesaler because really? they, don't, they don't run their numbers right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a waste of time for me. They don't run their numbers right. And I haven't worked. Take that back. I have, we did do a JV deal. It was like a 50K wholesale fee us they don't run their numbers right which usually is to our detriment but every once in a while extremely to our benefit mm-hmm. they don't know how to run their numbers um actually to 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 compound on that point dean rogers you've had him on the show mm-hmm. yeah um we got him into family mastermind and yeah. and uh, he was on the show here so he, he uh, he's been running tv with us for three years now he started tv um he had a very small meetup group he wasn't getting much traction mm-hmm. from it started TV commercials and then all of a sudden the credibility and, you know, people just started coming mm-hmm. to his meetups. Uh, same thing started happening as people would call him and be like, Hey, I see you're on TV. We've got a wholesale deal, you know, right. yada, yada. And so he grew this massive meetup group in Fresno. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And he has friends with benefits. I think he's oh, talked talk to you about that. Yeah. Just super cool. Super funny. Um, and he did, he didn't tell me what his stats were last year, but I think it was the year before did an extra million dollars that he didn't do the year before with JV deals mm-hmm. from his meetup group, which again came from, you know, a lot from TV. I'm not going right. to say it's all from TV, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're hundred percent right. There's so much outside of just direct people, sellers calling you mm-hmm. that you get benefit from. Uh, we've raised a lot of private money in our, uh, in our, um, in my hometown of Wichita. Anytime I get a referral from another one of our private lenders and that person calls me and says, oh, I've seen you on TV, you can tell the conversation's way different right. than if someone refers me to someone that's in California mm-hmm. and they're like, what do you do in Wichita? And like, you know, then you have to explain it and then you have to build that credibility with mm-hmm. them. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, there's nothing else that can do what TV does other than maybe social media, mm-hmm. but it takes a lot to build a social a media effort. presence. It's not just dollars. I mean, just you're, talk, you're talking about dollars and you're talking about years right. to, to build. Unless you I was just, saying on TV, it's just dollars. That's it. It's dollars, yeah. You're right. <laughs> you're right. Joe Schmo, yeah. who had never done a deal before, can get on TV and people are like, oh, wow, look at that right. guy. Yeah, and, and there's something we talk about in our sales training process. Where we talk, it's, uh, and we have these, these goofy terms in my sales training, uh, but one of them we call it uh, stranger danger, right? And it's like, how long does it take to go from a stranger danger to you and I are having a comfortable, cordial conversation where we're laughing at each other's jokes? Mm-hmm. How long does that take? Inbound lead, 30 seconds, minute and a half. Cold calling and texting lead, it's like three to five minutes to get this guard down. I'm surprised move. it's not more than that. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe some of the stuff we're doing. <laughs> but yeah, to get the guard down, it takes 
quite a bit of work. If it's an, uh, if it was an outbound lead versus an inbound, you get instant credibility. Um, so you mentioned the, uh, the return marketing. So I'm curious to get this perspective. So, you know, growing, uh, not growing up, I, I've heard forever in this business, you want to have like a 4X, 5X marketing at least, right? Uh, or, or ROI at least, because if you're not getting that, you got to cut it. And I was like, ah, you know, 1X, 2X, like if I'm breaking even, I'm feeding my team, like it's fine, right? It's kind of the, the mindset I've had for the longest time. And then uh, I do uh, Whale Club with Paul Sparks. And one of the things he talks about is we generally run most businesses anywhere from a 20 to 40% profitability. If you're at 30%, you're actually an upper echelon of business, right? Most people are probably in 15 to 20%. And if that's the case, that means that if you have a, let's just say a $10,000, that's a low number, but just for easy math, if $10,000 comes in right um eight thousand of it's already gone due to expenses and so on because that's your profitability if you're running 20 percent profitability you only get to keep 20 the two thousand net that eight thousand is already spent before it came in and for that reason you have to have alexa at least a 5x roi if you're running a 20 percent margin business or else if you're running a 20 percent margin or if you're running a 20 percent profitability business but you're getting a 2x ROI, by the time that money comes in, you're already upside down. Curious what your thoughts on that. So there's truth to that. Here, here's what you're not considering, and maybe you have thought of this, is what we're doing now, let's say you're doing five deals a month, mm -hmm. right? There's a certain overhead that it takes to do five deals a month mm -hmm. or 10 deals or whatever the number is. Yeah. If you add another marketing channel that brings you another deal a month, mm -hmm. are you having to spend... What is that number? 10 to 20%. So from five deals to six, mm -hmm. so adding one, mm -hmm. that's 20% more deals. Are you adding 20% more overhead? Not more overhead, no. Probably not. No. So there's a point where you have to look at it from a net income perspective, but mm -hmm. then there's a certain point once you start adding things on, you're not you're not spending 80% of that money mm -hmm. from overhead, right? right? So if I add another two thousand or let's call it $5,000 a month in PPC. It's bringing me 10, that's a two times return. Mm -hmm. There's an extra $5,000 coming in. Mm -hmm. How much of that extra are you spending with that one extra deal? It's probably an extra uh, commission with mm -hmm. your people. And there might be a little bit of extra overhead with TC and things of that nature. Right. But I think once you start doing more deals, then you have to look at it from perspective mm -hmm. of how much extra that deal is taking an overhead compared right. to the whole business itself. Yeah, it's a great point. So we never really debated it. So I just wanted to get your perspective because we were just talking about that specifically. Now you get you have a hundred ish, hundred ten, hundred fifteen clients with you guys right now. Mm -hmm. So I imagine in having that many different clients, you get a chance to see what's working and what's not. Uh, do you ever see operationally whether it's uh, sales? processes, whatever, the, some of the biggest differentiators between the, the operators? Well, it's interesting because when we talk to a client and they come on as, as a client, mm -hmm. we can typically, I don't want to say pinpoint, but we can pretty much pinpoint the ones that are going to do really well. Mm -hmm. um, usually it's because they understand it and they're really excited and they almost have no hesitation. That's mm -hmm. part of it. Um, and that's part of their personality is right. like, we're going to make it work. Let's go, let's out. do it. We'll figure yeah. it out. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so that's part of it. Um, and then you look at the other side of it as, man, this person, they're, they're doing deals, but they're maybe not as dialed in as some of the other clients that mm -hmm. we have. Right. And so, um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? Um, as far as like how you can see like the difference, uh, in processes and sales, whatever. And what's working basically. What, how do you, what's differentiating? What, what are the differences? Yeah. And I, I think it comes down to the operator. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned before we started that, you know, we've, um, listened to some of our clients calls in the past mm -hmm. and you can tell who's dialed in and who's not. If mm -hmm. their team is answering the phone, hello, or <laughs> they're having the conversation with the client and you got babies screaming in the background. People don't answer hello. That's different than, hi, this is Tony with Professional Homebuyers. How can I help you? Mm. Uh, and then, you know, and, and then the whole sales process. I mean, you, you know all this, the right yeah. questions to ask, uh, setting the appointment, building rapport. I mean, there's all types of different things. I think the sales process is the biggest thing and usually yeah. it comes down to the operator, mm -hmm. you know, because usually it's either the operator that is taking the calls or it's the operator that's trained their salesperson to take the calls because they used to and they had mm -hmm. to train them. Right. Um, and I think that's the biggest downfall. I think it's, it's interesting because you've heard this before. You, people say PPC doesn't work or TV doesn't work or radio doesn't work or whatever. I used to take that with, oh, crap, that doesn't work very well. But now it's like it's the operator, number one. Mm -hmm. You know, did they work the deals, right? Because mm -hmm. if someone does TV with us and they said we got 90 leads our first three months and we did one deal, that's not a TV issue. That's a sales issue, mm -hmm. right? Um. And it goes all the way down the line. So I think I think sales is probably the biggest part of it. Uh, and again, it's the operator and the mentality of it. You know, um, it's it's interesting because I mean, you're in sales when you when you contact a company mm -hmm. and you you've, you you analyze their sales process. Ninety mm percent -hmm. of businesses, and it's maybe even more than that. I was gonna say it's more than ninety. Don't really even have a good sales process. Yeah. Like there's a guy. I'm not gonna name his name. Uh, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, anyway, he he services. He has over 100 employees servicing real estate investors, mm -hmm. right? And I got on a sales call with one of his people, and I'm still confused at what they do. And they didn't ask for the sale. They didn't ask me to sign up. They didn't, and it was anyway. It was it was it was it was really bad. And that that happens with so many businesses. Like if you call and 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 I I would have you guys try this. Go online and find 10 businesses and call them. Mm -hmm. Probably half of them don't answer their phone. Mm -hmm. Leave a message, and probably ten percent of them return your call. Maybe mm -hmm. twenty-five percent. Um, and if that person answers the phone, they're not asking for anything. Even mm -hmm. if it's a restaurant, it's like, oh, what's your name? I can get you in at this time, even if you don't take reservation. I mean, there's so many different things right. that you can do with getting people to commit once they get to a certain point. Mm -hmm. They're raising their hand and saying, "I want to sell my house." Like we, we've heard sales calls before where. Someone's like, I don't know anything on the house. I bought it for $50,000 30 years ago. If I can just get 50000 out of it, then I'll sell it to you guys. Okay, well, let me run the numbers on it, and I'll get back to you. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Ske schedule that appointment. I knew that from the very beginning, and that's probably my personality of just, you know. Yeah. But when someone's wanting to sell their house, it's a good deal. Get out there as soon as you can. Right. If An hour later... 24 hours later, but days later, that's, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, you know, the term speed, speed to lead. Oh yeah. And it's, it's particularly painful. And I forget the sell side, right? I'm just thinking as a consumer, every time I need something fixed, it's just a nightmare. And you want it now, right? Right. I want it now. I want, 
a, a refrigerator repairman over here. I got something wrong with the pool equipment, whatever. Like I'm right here right now. I want this problem fixed and just forget about it. That will never happen. Right? Like I've got to call like four or five different refrigeration refrigerator companies. And then I'm going to have a window of time between like, you want to like, you know, from 8 AM to 12 PM or 12 PM to 5 PM. Like, it's just this, this whole thing. And it's like, Oh, well we don't, Take voicemails? Can you just email an inquiry? <laughs> Don't you guys want my money? Yeah. Yeah, my, my wife spends hundreds of dollars a month at this coffee place, and the app wasn't working. And so she called in, and she's like, can I just call in an order? Oh, you have to do it on the app. Mm-hmm. And we're like, the app's not working. Well, we have a policy we just can't do. It's like, why would you not let your customers call in mm-hmm. for a, this is California, $7.50 for a latte? <laughs> For a small latte. It's not one of the big ones. It's not the grande. Not the it's a, small, it's a small latte for $7.50, and you won't let us call in an order. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just little things like that that just drive me crazy. Yeah, here's my money. Please take it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we have, we've had um, all sorts of different friends in this industry, right? Um, we had Jason Lewis with Invest Machine, Stephanie Badger with Left Main, David Richter with Profit First. And we had this whole deal last year when, like, what the heck is going on in this market? Mm-hmm. And we kind of saw this kind of slow roll from the West Coast where these vendors, or not vendors, our clients were like, hey, business is tough. I'm going to have to cut back. And it kind of rolled all the way to the East Coast. I don't know why it's how it rolled out that way last year, but it did. What did you see as far on the TV side? Well, first of all, I don't understand why people cut back when times, when they're bit, like they're doing less business mm-hmm. unless like literally the cash is not coming in and like they just have to stop for a little while. I understand mm-hmm. that. But when people do that for long periods of time, it's like if you're still getting return on your marketing, keep doing it. Right. You know, if there's one channel, you may have to look at some channels and go, okay, this one isn't performing as well. Maybe we need to stop this one for now. Let's concentrate on these. Let's build some cash back up or do some more deals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there, there's, there's that whole thing to go through. But I just don't understand people who just go to all their marketing and say, we're going to cut this and we're going to cut this. And, and then all of a sudden they're spending 50 to 50% or less of what they were spending before. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Less business is going to come in, right? right? Um, so that's my, my thought on that to start with. Um, it's interesting because we did see about this time last year a dip in our mm-hmm. clients. You know, we, we lost about 5 to 10% of our clients, probably closer to 10%. And some of them ended up coming back right. um, when interest rates started rising. Mm-hmm. But it was usually with those that were uh, fixing and flipping and they just got caught with more inventory because interest rates went up. There was a mm-hmm. lull in the market. People got scared. And so that, that's where that whole cutback happened. Yeah. Um, luckily, this year, we have had very few people cancel, in, mm-hmm. especially in the last six months. And we've actually had a lot of clients um, add anywhere from 20% to 100% to their budgets, going from you know, 10,000 to 12,000 or 10,000 to 20,000 or 10,000 to 15,000 or 5,000, 8,000. And that's, I think that's partially because the market's still been good. Um, And we have, you know, some really good operators in our program. Mm -hmm. And so once they start doing well, then they start adding. Um, And to give my overall perspective on the market, there's still a lot of uncertainty. But the fact is, is that there's still low inventory. Mm -hmm. There's still um, people with three to four percent interest rates, or even five percent interest rates. They don't want to give those up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even bought my house last year at a six and a quarter interest rate. I don't even want to give that up to go pay eight percent. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. so you have very few people wanting to sell, um, 
and there's just a lot of other factors that come into play. You know, I I think you saw um, uh, Jason Hartman give this statistic. Mm-hmm. I think it's it used to be thirty to thirty percent of the houses were paid off in the U.S. Now it's closer to like. 40%, I think. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. And then the amount of defaults is is still down, and people say, well, there's 50% more defaults. Well, if there was one default now, or two defaults, and now there's three, obviously that's 50% more. You know what I right. mean? I'm exaggerating a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, if you go on YouTube, there's all these doom and gloom videos. In fact, I kind of right. got sucked into them about a mm-hmm. month ago. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really pay attention to them. And I started listening to them, and I started going, holy crap, some, you know, something's probably going to happen. And then I'm like, ah, this is just... Instead of, you know, Fox or CNN, this is YouTube, people trying to get people mm-hmm. to click and listen. Um, so in my opinion, if something happens, it's going to be fairly slow. Mm-hmm. And so I think if people want to prepare for it, they just need to make sure they're lean. Meaning, you know, there were, there were um, back in 2019, we were consistently doing five to 10 deals every single month, juicy deals. And um, I got complacent. And we had 15 people working for us. And then after analyzing it, after we laid off a bunch of people, we probably only needed maybe 10 of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and so long story short, we had a few months that were like really slow. So we ended up cutting back pretty quickly. We went from 15 employees to like three. Mm. Uh, we're back up to like, I think, 10 or so in, in that business. Um, so I think that's one thing is looking at your business and say, what am I spending money on? Even if things are really good that you don't need. Right, and then um, and they're just being smarter with the deals you're doing. So uh, we may or may not get into it, but um, I funded some deals um, mm-hmm. this last couple of years, and one of the things that I did wrong, big things, is I funded deals in a certain price point. That now that things have shifted, um, or or interest rates have changed, I should say, mm-hmm. the upper price point properties are getting hit hard a lot more than if lower price properties were getting hit. Yeah, I mean, well. When you say higher higher price points, I mean like what what kind of numbers are we talking about here? Well, it's all market specific. Yeah. A million dollars is not much in San Diego. It's a million dollars <laughs> is is a mega mansion in Wichita, Kansas. Right. So in Wichita, Kansas, a Midwest market, uh, I don't even know what our medium price point is. I want to say it's probably 180 to about 180 thousand, give or take. And so to me, in in Wichita, Kansas, anything above 250, we have to second guess. Okay, mm-hmm. is it? in the right area? Is it going to, you know, is it show well? Is the floor plan okay? I mean, there's a lot of different factors. Whereas if we flip something that's 150,000, that's a lot more forgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, in San Diego, a million dollars, literally, like you have to spend $2 million to get like a pretty nice house. It's, yeah. it's insane. Um, and so I think that's that's one big thing is making sure that the price points that you're choosing mm-hmm. are ones that if the market does um, take a, another hit or something happens that there's going to be a lot of buyers in that pool because once you go to the upper price points, one, interest rates are going to hit those properties more yeah. on a monthly payment. Two is they're not, there's not as many p- people in the upper price point. Whereas if you hit that first time home buyer range, there's just always going to be people in there. Mm-hmm. And in a bad market, there's always people that will move from an upper price point down, but it, they're not going to move down to yeah. up. Well, I mean, I know I've left countless amounts of money on the table. I know that for sure. Cause I never wanted to have a large flipping company. Just didn't want to do it, mm-hmm. right? I saw too many people lose everything in 07 through 09, right? Mm-hmm. I got to witness it firsthand. The other thing, and this is just my own paranoia, is I never want to do anything higher, significantly higher than median, like no more than like 50K past median because you never know when the market's going to shift. Mm-hmm. You just never know. Mm-hmm. 
But when it does, median below is always safe. 100%. Median above, you just don't know. You have to have a killer product. If it's above median, it's got to be a killer product price grade. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just going to kind of languish out there. Yep. And then the other thing is just not taking on big projects. Right. You know, um, our average rehab is probably 50000 which is pretty decent, I guess, overall, especially in Kansas. In San Diego, it's a kitchen remodel. Yeah. But um, just not taking on big projects. You know, if, if you have a flip project, try to do something that's 45 to 60 days, I would mm-hmm. say, at the most. And then... Um, you know, anything over a hundred thousand remodel, I'd second guess just because things can happen. And if right. it pushes out to four months to six months, um, then there's more more chance of the the market changing and you know the the margin slipping pretty yeah pretty easily. I have a pretty crazy risk tolerance, but like big rehabs just scare me, right? And so like we had a deal, we canceled on it. It's like, you know, what was the problem? Galvanized piping. <laughs> that was it. Like I don't want to replumb a whole house. I don't know how long it's gonna take. Right, I don't know what we're going to do. Re drywall and this or that, retile. Like I just, I hear galvanized pipes, and I was like, I don't, I want nothing to do with this house. Smart. Right, and so I, I'm not sure it's necessarily smart. I just know that I am not qualified to turn that property around quick, right? Because who knows what else is behind that, uh, beyond the galvanized piping. Uh, so one thing I've noticed, right, because I get to keep my ears close to the ground, get to hear other people what's working in their business was not working. I've noticed that you guys are picking up quite a bit of momentum uh, in the TV advertising space. Mm-hmm. What would you attribute that to? Well, just like anything, I think you just need time and success, success mm-hmm. stories. Um, so like when I bought the Carlton Sheets no down payment system back mm-hmm. in the day, I saw all the testimonials. Like, you know, this person would be like, oh, I bought the program and two years later, I've got 10 properties worth X amount of dollars and this much cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember vividly, I don't remember the exact number, but I remember someone saying that they had 50 properties, cash flowing X amount of dollars, and it was, they had millions of dollars in equity. And I think that's probably one of the things that got me to call mm-hmm. and, and order at that time. I don't even think you go online and order. Um, and so when we go to our website, see dozens of testimonials. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that are just absolutely crushing it, big names in the game, um, and I think that just trickles down. So, right. you, you know, you're a part of Collective Genius. Um, you know, I'm a part of uh, Family Mastermind, Investor Fuel, all these masterminds. Mm-hmm. Once you start getting success, or uh, for instance, Investor Fuel, we um, uh, joined there two and a half, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it took a little while to get our first client. Um, and then once that client got success and they came back and they're like, guys, I'm crushing it, then mm-hmm. we had two or three people sign up. Right. And then all four people, the next meeting come and they're all crushing it. Mm-hmm. Then it just it just trickles and flows. Right. Um, Snowball effect. Yeah, and you know the space it's kind of a big space, but it's small at the same time. So I think right. once you um, get results and people start talking about it, mm-hmm. and you provide killer customer service. Our customer service is the best of any provider that I know, and the reason being is that I told the story last time, but. I teamed up with my media buyer that helped me with TV 11 years ago, and he is the number one vendor I've ever had mm-hmm. because he shows up on, like whenever we did a video shoot, he was he was always there early. Like mm-hmm. I would show up 10 minutes early, he was already there. Like mm-hmm. that's just the kind of guy he is. You send him an email, he's gonna get back to you usually within an hour. If he's if it's 24 hours, I'm like texting Drew, I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's like, <laughs> 
And so killer customer service, and I and it's not just his media team, but you know my side of the team as well. I, I just I teach killer customer service. So if you can get a client good results and you can have great customer service, mm-hmm. one they're going to stay with you for a long time, and two they're going to tell other people about you. Yeah. And so I think it just um, and actually honestly we had results out of the gate, and I think a lot of it had to do with and probably the third thing is is it's hard to get on TV. There's right. so, there's so many factors to get on TV. You have to write the scripts. You have to shoot the commercial. You have to figure out what shows and stations mm-hmm. um, to, to be on. And if you don't have any of those dialed in, and even if you have one or two of those dialed in and you don't have the other ones dialed in, there's there's a lot of things that can happen. So for that reason, there's little to no competition in a lot of markets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, ev- everybody's getting hit with, I've got a PPC company. I've got a Facebook company. I can do SEO, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can throw a, a rock and probably you know hit someone that's doing one of those channels yeah. that can do that for you. But TV commercials, I mean, it, it's it's hard to do, mm-hmm. and there's really not many people that are helping other people do it. Uh, talk to me about the customer service component because I think this is huge. Uh, so, uh, you guys might be tired of me talking about this already, right? But like our, our vision for 2024 is just to take over sales, like in not real estate, just sales, right, mm-hmm. all across. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said in our, in our uh, strategy meeting uh, a week or two ago was we're going to be a world-class sales organization. And what that means is that we want to model the exact product we want to sell, right? If you call our company, I want us to sound exactly when they listen to like, I want my company to sound like that, mm-hmm. right? Which make it easier for the buyer product. So for you, when you're talking about delivering world-class customer service, what goes into delivering that level of service? I think number one is just communication, right? Like if I have a problem and, and Steve, I bought your product, if I email you, text you, you know, whatever form of communication that I, I send to you or your team, mm-hmm. and I don't hear back in 48 hours, I'm going, what's up? Are right. you avoiding me? You know, there's all kinds of thoughts. Is my money no head. good here anymore? Exactly. Are <laughs> you screwing me? Are you like, what's going on, right? And the stories we tell ourselves and the lack of responsiveness. Oh, 100%. And even if you email a client and you're, you know, something, you're still thinking to yourself, is a client mad at me? You know, mm-hmm. so people these days expect immediate. They mm-hmm. want immediate. You know, you get on an app and you can get food in 20 minutes delivered yeah. to you. I mean, people just want things right now. So we have a rule that 24 hours is our, our response time, 100%. Mm-hmm. With people that call in just on the real estate investing side, people that call in, if they fill, or if, if if they call in and leave a message or talk to our call center or they fill out a form, we want to talk to them in 15 minutes. That's like our drop dead time. I don't know what you recommend mm-hmm. on that, but ideally five minutes, ideally a minute. I say like our target's three minutes. I would not say we're excelling there. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard. It it is, yeah. but 15 minutes is is forgivable, mm-hmm. right? If yeah. if I call a company mm-hmm. and they get back to me in 15 minutes, even if they get back to me within the hour, I'm pretty forgiving. Mm-hmm. If I call and out here until the next day, I'm like. Am I not, you know, right. you know, do you not want to serve me, right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of it, just communicating. Like, if someone has a problem, if we get back to them, it's just going to relieve them that we're there to help them. Right. We're going to help them solve it. And then we don't cut corners when it comes to helping them. So if we launch someone and after 30 days, they're like, or even two weeks, they're like, our commer- like we had a guy, he, he launched in, um, on the East Coast, uh, somewhere in Alabama, and he's younger, and um, he was like, he called after like, it was either two weeks or three weeks, whatever it was, and he's like, my phone's not ringing much. And I'm like, that's weird because we have, we, we've ran TV commercials yeah. there, and we know. You've got the data. We, yeah, we know. 
So anyway, so we changed the commercial. We put me in it just to test it out, and his phone just started ringing. And I'm not saying it's because of anything that I did necessarily. Or could be. Could be my baby face. <laughs> yeah. um, but I just connected more with them somehow, right? And, uh, you know, in other scenarios where people have said something's wrong, we're not just going to be like, give it time. I mean, sometimes you have to give it time mm -hmm. if the phone's ringing. But we may go back to the stations and say, like we like back um, election year, um, what was that, 2020? Mm -hmm. Whatever that was. 19. So when, um, when that was happening and people were like, what's going on? Well, we found, we'd go to the stations and we found out their commercials were getting kicked off because... Mm -hmm. um, Presidential campaigns. Yeah, they were yep. paying more money for commercials. Um, and so digging into that and understanding that and being able to communicate that to them quickly rather than finding out a month later when we get the post-production report and we go, oh, you know, your, your commercials weren't ran. Mm -hmm. So it's just a lot of stuff like that where it's like we actually dive deep into, mm. you know, what the problem is um, and try and solve it as quickly as possible, yeah. whether it's, you know, maybe writing a new script, putting someone else in the commercial, um, changing the – usually the sto shows and stations we have are pretty dialed in, so we don't yeah. really change that much. Um, but I think it's just showing them that you care and actually trying to solve the problem with them. Gotcha. Um, if someone wanted to get a hold, right, try TV in their market, like what's the best way for them to try that? Yeah, they can go to our website, uh, remtv.com. Again, mm -hmm. remtv.com. Um, you can go on there. You can see our testimonials, our clients. Um, you can fill out some information and, and see if your market's taken. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then we can quote how much it is um, to spend in that market uh, and what it'll take and just show you what TV's all about and how we can uh, crush it for them. Gotcha. So when you were here last time, we were talking about expanding to different industries. Mm -hmm. How's that going? So I tried to take over the world in, in TV, <laughs> uh, not yeah. just in real estate investing. So truth is we have over 100 real estate investors that are running TV with us um, uh, outside of real estate investing, so we can service any industry. Mm -hmm. So we we decided to go out and just target any business. Mm -hmm. And we were just getting every, like just the low end of businesses that were applying mm -hmm. uh, and, and taking our time. And I think what was happening is number one, I, I have a lot of credibility and, and I'm known in the space. I've been in the business 22 years. So I think I've got some credibility there. Um, outside of the real estate space, people maybe don't know me as well. Mm -hmm. And um, it just attracted just anybody and everybody. Yeah. So just all kinds of random businesses from um, a urine company. A what company? Uh, is that what you call them? Urines where the, the ashes go in urines? Urns. Urns. <laughs> Urns um, for pets. Oh, man. You know, just stuff like that. That's like, they're like, is this good for TV? And I'm like, I just don't think that's going to appeal to the masses. I'm sorry. Um, and the other thing is real estate investing – Investors can make a lot of money very quickly. High margin business, right? So high margin business. My understanding: high margin business, advertising in a time slot where everyone else is selling low margin, right? Like, I'm kind of picturing this. It's like Learner and Row, or personal injury, or drunk driving, or I mean, it's home when, services. Home, yeah, when you watch Prices Right, right, or um, uh, trade schools. Like I'm just trying to think of like what I used to always like when you're homesick. What do you see, right? Like those are the kind of ads you see. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm imagining there's a lot of correlation between selling a house for cash and those other uh, services. So I think those are maybe lower. I, and this is completely conjecture. Put me in my place if I'm wrong. Uh, but these are typically time slots 
where people aren't having to pay as much, right? Because this is typically someone, a market that isn't buying something expensive, right? Like if you're, if you're, if you're buying, again, trade school, if you're buying personal injury attorney, if you're buying, um, uh, you need uh, plumbing services, whatever, typically not a person that has a lot of money. Right. Right. Yep. Versus someone that might be watching, I don't know, um, American Idol <clears throat> after work. They probably have a job. They probably, their spending habits are probably a little differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this. <clears throat> no, you're right. You're right. So I'm going to give you some statistics. <clears throat> uh, the average person still watches two to three hours of TV every single day. Today? They the still av- two to three The hours? average person, yep. <clears throat> Here's another great statistic. How are they spending, how, the, how, how will they find their way to Facebook and, <laughs> and, and YouTube and Instagram? Well, they might be multitasking. I don't know. Maybe they're watching TV while they're scrolling Facebook. I don't know. Yeah, I do. I do hear like the average person has like two or three skins open at all times. It's yeah, pro- yeah, yeah. And, and which is, I, I actually am very sad for our youth. Yeah. Growing up with devices, like I'm so glad I didn't grow up with devices when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but here's a here's a killer statistic: is 65. If if you're 65 and older, you're watching more than four hours. I think it's like four hours and 22 minutes a day. 65 and older. So as age goes up, the more TV you watch. Mm-hmm. And you know why that is? What else are you doing? What else are you doing? Because, you know, you may be retired. You're not working as hard. Um, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other reasons. It just totally slipped my mind. But the fact is, is that we are trying to reach an avatar of 50 and older. Mm-hmm. Um, even 65 and older is probably even better because they're right. going to downsize, go into a retirement home. Mm-hmm. Their spouse is going to die. There's a lot of different things mm-hmm. that can happen when they get older. And so who's our avatar? And um, it's older people and, and lower income, mm-hmm. and they're watching TV. And so not only is TV great for most businesses, especially if they're higher ticket items, but it's especially good for real estate investing just because our avatar is watching so much TV. Oh, and I was going to say, it's also because they grew up with TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. When a 65-year-old was 10 years old, I'm trying to do the math, what was that, you know? Seven sixties, whatever it was, TV was like a big privilege. And if you had a TV, that's what you were doing during dinner. I mean, that's and, what we did. And you were wealthy if you had a TV in the sixties. Right. And so that's how they grew up and that's how they're they're always gonna be. And a lot yeah. of you know, you and I who are um, high D personalities in the DISC, for those who are familiar with it, a lot of people are S's and C's and they mm-hmm. do the same thing mm-hmm. over and over and over. So if they grew up with it, they're just gonna continue to do it for the rest right. of their life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm just thinking as far as like your services, right? Like you're trying to sell TV to other people. They have to pay quite a bit more if they're going to be in, um, I don't know. I guess, what what do you typically sell? You sell like car commercials. Uh, I think like when you watch primetime, you're generally watching, oh, pharmaceutical ads. I mean, I watched like, you know, yesterday was NBA kickoff, right? And and the Diamondbacks, I, I finally watched a game. All right, it's game seven, NLCS. Finally watched a game of the Diamondbacks this year. And I watch the Suns game, and there's all these pharmaceutical ads, and car ads. Like that's, so it's gonna be hard for you to compete in this arena because prime time is typically for like these giant conglomerates that don't really have a um, uh, return on investment is not important, right? Like <clears throat> it's just blanket brand awareness marketing, hundred mm-hmm, percent, right? But then you go on this other side, TV or uh, real estate is high margin. And fortunately for us, low cost 
in those time. Yeah, well. and and we get quicker returns, so we you know right. we get the Cash money back quicker. Cash conversion cycle is a lot better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's a great thing. So to give you a statistic, um, when someone does TV with us, they get anywhere from usually the low end three hundred to four hundred commercials mm-hmm. a month to a thousand to I think with my market because it's pretty small and we spend a good amount of money, mm-hmm. we get like fifteen hundred commercials every single month. Yeah. So that means fifty times a day our commercials being played. Like the chances of someone <laughs> not seeing our commercial if they're watching t- the four hour, three, two to four hours of TV is probably yeah. pretty slim. Yeah. Um, and so that is a great point is that we get commercials for inexpensive because not a lot of people want to hit a high, higher in, or higher age and a lower income demographic. Right. Right. And so we can get a lot more, a lot more bang for the buck. So then right now, then what is the state of, outside of real estate for TV? Is it like, we're just giving up on that? We'll venture? still take on clients if they come to us, but I'm not pushing it. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I just, it's, it's a lot it, of lifting. It's, it's like I talked about working smart. Like mm-hmm. we could go and work really hard to find all of these clients outside of real estate. And the time it takes us to find one client that may or may not do well. Mm-hmm. Um, you find like five real estate investors. We can find five to 10 real estate investors that will crush Pre-sold. it every single day of the week. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Because um, I, 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 and you know what we talked about last time. Like I'm looking at the same thing, right? Like penetrating from real estate, known as the real estate sales guy, to the sales guy. It's gonna be a heavy lift. We'll see how this goes. Um, so, what is your biggest struggle today? Biggest struggle today. Um, I think I think it's thinking about what the next thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I talked about this again before we started is you and I want to do everything, right? It's yeah. like an idea comes to us. It's like, how can I do that? Mm. How can I make that work? And now it's, it's a lot of saying no to those things. Mm-hmm. I'm way better even just like, even than I was a year or two, year, year or two ago when I was last on the show, um, at saying no to things. Um, so for me, I have to be very intentional. I think the, the, the struggle for me is, um, not trying to take on too many things, I guess. And yeah. and so it, while I'm getting better at it, um, so really the next thing I'm doing is just going to grow my social media. I haven't really concentrated on that. I've done a lot of podcasts and I've, you know, done a lot of things like that on other people's, you mm-hmm. know, and spoke on stages and things of that nature, but I haven't really grown my own social media following. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, I've got the experience and I feel like I've got a pretty interesting life overall. And so... I see some people that don't have very interesting lives mm-hmm. that are building huge yeah. social media followings, and I'm like, why, why, why should I not be able to do it? I mean, you have your own private plane. That helps. It should be easier, right? That helps. Because we have a lot of influencers that are flying private, but you don't even know if they actually even took off from the tarmac. That's funny, because I, I, did, <laughs> I did, someone did a presentation one time, and they, they had a picture of them in front of a jet. Uh-huh. And they spoke about all these businesses, blah, 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 you know, anyway. So I ended up getting getting on a call with him. I was like, oh, that's cool. Is that your plane or do you charter it or whatever? I was like, no, that's my buddy's plane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, it's so you funny. have these these influencers that aren't even flying private. They're just talking about flying private. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you actually have a private plane. Yeah. So you, probably, you should probably do something with it. Yeah, it's it's good content for sure. That's yeah. that's one of the first things. In fact, I uploaded a, a video yesterday, and it already has seven hundred plus views, which you know for a new channel is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's uh, I don't want to say that's a huge struggle, but um, 
but yeah, I think I think just figuring out what to do next without um, sacrificing time or money. Right. Um, what would you say is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last twelve months? I think probably that my wife's always right. To be honest with you, it took me almost ten years to. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, though, because um, you know we were talking about the funding business. I, you know, uh, last time I think I was starting to wind down the funding business, and still twelve months later, I'm still trying to figure out to clean up a bunch of messes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't want me to do that business, and mm-hmm. she had a very good intuition on it. But when I told her about TV and wanting to start that, she instantly was like, "I think you got something there." Yeah, got funding. She's like, "No," and I and I ended up doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily she doesn't listen to podcasts, so she won't right. hear this, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, uh, again, the question was, what did I learn in the last 12 months? Mm-hmm. The biggest thing, um, I would say that and, uh, smarter marketing. Mm-hmm. That's why I, uh, like talking about ROI compared to keeping the channel or not and mm-hmm. just omnipresent marketing. So with, uh, our real estate investing business, we're doing almost every single channel you can think of, except for texting, cold calling, and driving for dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, bandit signs, we sporadically will do that, but it's, you know, it's it's a bunch of labor for our team, so we don't yeah. really do much of that. But almost everything else we're doing, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm just going to continue to do that because I just, if someone is in Wichita, they're going to know who I am, or going to know my brand is mm-hmm. most likely. Right. Um, and I want to start doing that for our media company as well. You know, right. before it was just podcast or we go to some masterminds, um, but now we're putting money into some Facebook. We're mm-hmm. gonna start doing YouTube. Oh yeah, I'm seeing your Facebook ads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're in it. You're in some of those ads yeah. too. Yeah, you see that? Yeah. Um, your baby, saw, your baby face is converting yeah, very well. Yeah, I saw Dean. That's the only one I saw. Okay. Yeah. You haven't seen yours? I've not seen mine yet. No. Okay. Well, you're in there. All right. Perfect. Um. Uh. So yeah, I think uh, I think just getting smarter at marketing. Mm-hmm. And you know, another thing, I I want to get your opinion on this. So again, it's it's what can I do next, but also what can I add value to our clients because we have a very good client base. So rather than going outside of our client base a lot, I kind of want to figure out how to go inside of our client base and add more value to them. Yeah, so We already do mastermind calls. We already hook them up with our service providers. I've got a great network. I've built over 22 mm-hmm. years that I can connect them with people if they need it. I think the next thing that I want to do is start a, you have a, you have CF, CFO businesses, David mm-hmm. Richter. You have... Um, you have uh, media companies that service real estate investors, mm-hmm. but I don't know if anybody that really has a chief, like a CMO company, mm-hmm. where someone can come in and help them dial in all of their marketing. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are very good at maybe like one marketing method, but they're not really good at seeing their marketing from a global perspective, mm-hmm. and they're definitely not good at tracking their numbers. I mean, yeah. you'd be surprised at how many real estate investors that are doing deals at a high level that when, when they come to us or when I talk to them, I'm like, hey, share your numbers with us. They're like, we know we're crushing it, but, and I'm like, well, what's, you know, how many leads are you getting from TV? How, well, I, we did a $50,000 deal last month and 30,000 this month. I think, you know, I think it's doing pretty good. And I'm like, well, I, I would like to see some good data so that yeah. way I know how our clients are doing. And so I think from people just don't, that's like one of the biggest things. You could be the best salesperson in the world, mm-hmm. but if you don't have the leads coming in, um, it could be it you know, detrimental to your business. So yeah. I think that's one of the things that I want to implement next is maybe figuring out how to, how to get, I don't know if you call it a CMO company or what mm-hmm. you call it, but something yeah. where we can help real estate investors dial in their marketing mm-hmm. because I, I just don't think they're great at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you look at 
between masterminds and, and, and consulting, they have these, what's the word I'm looking for? You know you need to do it. And they're in your face, you need to do this. But someone actually holding your hand and doing it, I don't know anyone else that's actually holding your hand and doing it for you. Going into your dashboards mm -hmm. and saying, you know, meeting every month, if mm -hmm. not twice a month, what are the numbers on this? Mm -hmm. What, you know, why are your numbers on it? And just, because think about it. I mean, people are wasting, and I've done it for many years too. I mean, I, I, I can't say that I've well, had marketing dialed in forever. Real estate for the longest time, you could get away with it. You could, because you could send a huge direct mail campaign mm -hmm. and it would get a five to 10X every single right. day. If right? you're, if you're getting 10X on your, on your marketing, I mean, it's pretty forgiving. You can get two and a half X on your marketing. Man, you're, these dials need to start getting dialed in. You need to make sure that you're getting the right ROI. You're answering the calls. You're getting back to people on time. You know your cost per lead. You have to know these things. If you're getting a two and a half, three X ROI. But we've been spoiled with five to 10 to 20 X. I mean, texting, I think at one point, I think we were like 40 X. Dang. <laughs> ROI on texting. <laughs> yeah. Right? 40x <laughs> ROI, like everything. You just look like a genius. You don't have to have a good system. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think yeah. I mean, I think that's something you want to do. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Is there anything specifically you're excited about for 2024? Um. No, I don't think so. I've never been like a New Year's resolution kind of mm -hmm. person. Um, I think every every year has its own. Um, great things in its own challenges, um, and you don't know until you get into them, right? Is the market right. going to change? Um, are we going to start another business that's going to absolutely blow up? I mean, you just don't know what's down the road. Mm -hmm. um, 2024, I think I think it'll create some more opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. I think in the commercial real estate world, I, can, I, I know almost for a fact that that's, it's already taken a hit. I haven't really been watching it, but from mm -hmm. what I understand, and I mean, you do the economics on mm -hmm. it, we even have a, a big commercial building in uh, Kansas, a co-working space that we have a four and a half or five percent interest rate, mm -hmm. and I'm pretty sure it's going to go up to nine percent. Yeah. Um, and luckily, we can withstand it. Whereas if we had ten buildings that mm -hmm. our interest rates increased, and um, it, it would it would be disastrous. Yeah. So I think if we wanted to shift some money and some time, and again, it's it's the factor of mm -hmm. time and money. Do we want right. to put time and money into something we haven't really done much of? Mm -hmm. uh, I still think there's going to be some opportunities that could be snatched up in the commercial world. So yeah. I don't know what that's going to look like, but um, it's, yeah. it's going to be. If you had access to a ton of capital right now, or if you were just sitting on a pile of cash, the next three years in commercial could be like generation changing money. Mm -hmm. It could be. We really don't know. It could be like, remember in 09, 2010? All those houses I didn't buy. Commercial could be like that in the next three, three to five years. Yeah, yeah. And if you could buy at high interest rates, and then interest rates end up coming down to be a reasonable, mm -hmm. and you know, you buy it at what today's rates are, and then later they adjust down to a lower rate. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, you can make a ton of money. Yep, a ton of money. Uh, so I want you to think about the last thoughts you want to leave everyone with. Um, so guys, you know, we, I, I would say that this is uh, exciting. We had. Trevor Mock, Carrot. Friend of mine, yeah. Yeah, we had Jesus Toledo uh, with 8020 REI. We've got, I think, just three brilliant marketers in a row on the show. So if you guys are getting value from this show, please hit that subscribe button. 
share these episodes, right? We can reach more people so we can create more millionaires. So please help us out. Help us reach more people. Hit that subscribe button right now, please. What are some last thoughts you want to leave everyone with? Uh, well, first of all, I want to give you props on the show. Um, you've Thank built you. something amazing, uh, and and just seeing kind of like we talked. I talked about with social media with mm-hmm. you know. I think it was before we started hitting record. You put enough time and dedication into it. You yeah. know, for the first six to twelve months, nobody's really going to listen to you that much. Oh, yeah, right for sure. Um, so, props to you for not only getting through that, but then also just creating a great channel with. I mean, the names you mentioned, the people that have been on here have been unbelievable. So, yeah. props to you for that. And the people who reach out to me from your channel, I think, are above and beyond some of the other channels that, uh, I don't know, it's just the quality of people that follow you is is amazing. So yeah. I think that's great. Um, but for the audience directly, I would say, again, just think smarter. Like how, think about the time and money you're putting into something and what you're getting back out of it. I think that's something that I wish I would have done much earlier in the game is really analyze that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that you could let, I mean, real estate is very great for leverage. You can buy $10 million worth of real estate tomorrow and have no money out of your pocket Mm -hmm. just because you can leverage other people's money with it. But if you can go above and beyond and leverage people, Mm -hmm. leverage systems, and then leverage things that produce very high high level in marketing, um, the sky is the limit. You know, there's a difference between those that, work really hard and those that work really smart. I mean, um, a couple of examples that come to mind, like Tony Robbins and Oprah Winfrey. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at them and they work really smart mm-hmm. and they do the things they love. They talk right. to people, they do seminars. Do you think that they're doing paperwork? Do you think that they're doing the books? Do you Collections. Think, do, yeah, do you think they're calling someone that bought a $10,000 program and didn't pay all of it? And, you yeah. know, yeah, absolutely. So I think just... Just thinking smarter. And, and it all starts with a vision because I, before 2010, I didn't have a vision of really where I wanted my company to go. Mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted to do more deals. I knew that I wanted to do do certain things, but I didn't realize what I wanted from a lifestyle perspective. Yeah. So I think people get it wrong. They look at what they can do in their business and then they adjust their lifestyle to it. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the mindset more, I'm going to look at my lifestyle and then figure out how I can do the things in my business by still having that lifestyle. I, yeah. um, I'm at home at five o'clock every single day, if not earlier. Um, I usually take off Fridays at two or three in the afternoon. Wednesdays, I kind of block most of my day that if I want to go in the office and do stuff, I can, or I can go fly, or I can go play pickleball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just looking at what you really want in your life, because a lot of people get into business for what? They want their time, time freedom, they want their freedom, freedom mm-hmm. and they want, yeah, and what do they get? It, a lot it, of work. It, it, yeah, they they're broke. They're working too much, and they're just they're just stuck to their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a great question you asked of how long it could take someone to get from uh, starting in real estate to doing well in it and quitting their job, and then from that point to um, scaling to where they don't have to be in the business mm-hmm. anymore. And and I think it's a lot less time than people think. Yeah, um, you mentioned the the pickleball. So when Dean Rogers was on the show, yep. He's asking me about pickleball. Yep. So I've told him, I offend some people, right? I'm just not ready to retire from sports yet. <laughs> <laughs> now I fully recognize that pickleball is a very athletic thing, right? I actually got Dean into pickleball. So yeah. 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 So I still play basketball. It's probably like, it's a love hate relationship. Like, I love it when I'm playing it. But then you get these injuries. It's like, why do I do this to myself? Yep. Right? 100%. 
pickleball. I'm just not ready. A lot, a lot less chance of injury in pickleball. And um, yeah, it's not for old people. If you can't come and play with me, you you would. Tell so us here's not my for fear people. for pickleball. Right, I have a very addictive personality. Mm-hmm. Once I get into something, I am all in on it. There's just no more bandwidth in my life to add any more new passions. Right, I'm doing kung fu. I'm doing basketball. I'm doing this. Right, trying my best to be a good husband and father. I add one more hobby, like it's just. Yeah, it's probably not the best then if you can't put a lot of time and effort into it because it is addicting. Once you get yeah. out there, you're like, oh, this is pretty fun. And you go again and you start hitting the shots where you kind of want to. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is cool. And it's very social. You know, yeah. you go, like in San Diego, we're spoiled. We can play year round outside and mm-hmm. there's a, a cool place in San Diego. You can just go anytime, put up mm-hmm. your paddle and, and just play with people. Um, I mean, I know if I start, I'm going to hire a coach. Like, I just know. I'm going to go and, super and, smart. and get obsessed with it. And it's just, yeah. I just don't have, like, it's the same reason why I don't golf. Right. If I'm gonna golf, I'm gonna get a coach. I'm gonna do this right. Just don't have the bandwidth for it. Yeah. Yeah. I so get that. One of the few things I'll say no to. I get that. Yeah. Someone wants to get a hold of you. What's the best way? Uh, again, remtv.com. Uh, if you want to go to my YouTube channel, love for you guys to see what I have going on there. Tony Javier TV is my handle there. So yeah, they can reach out to me those ways, and um, hopefully we can be in touch with some of them. Perfect. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you guys for watching. See you guys next week. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve train. We real estate disruptors.